In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I want to begin with a question, and it's a question and a challenge. But the question is, how is your faith doing this morning? How is your faith doing? And I think we can all, I hope we can all say, my faith is in Christ, right? I'm a child of God. I trust Him. I've trusted Him as my Savior, and I trust Him even now as I follow Him day by day. I hope you can say that your faith is built on a firm foundation, a rock, and not built on shifting sand that goes uh, different each day based on what's going on. But I hope you can say your faith is doing okay this morning. And if not, I hope that 1 Thessalonians 3 will be an encouragement to your faith. A couple years ago, um, I, uh, we're kind of going through a little, just a struggle in life a little bit, I guess you'd say, a little bit of uh, life change in a sense. And it was really for that reason only that I started going to the gym to work out. And I did it for stress relief, to be honest, and just kind of quiet time for myself. But I came to enjoy it, I guess for the quiet time probably, but I came to enjoy it and it started making me feel better, you know, mentally and physically. And so I just kept going and even now I go, try to go two days a week, three days a week. And I know it's good for me. I've read studies about how it's good for me mentally. It's good for me uh, physically, and it's proven to reduce certain risks from certain conditions and diseases and things like that. So I know it's good for me, but it requires, as a lot of you know, time and effort, right? Which is hard to give up sometimes. It's hard to squeeze out an hour to take a walk or an hour to, to go work out or something like that. But I know it's worth it every time I do it. But it takes time, effort, and consistency. And I want to compare that a little bit this morning with our faith. We know faith is important, right? Much more important, by the way, than physical exercise. Faith is vitally, essentially important. As a matter of fact, if you have those notes in front of you there, you can see a few scriptures I put there for you. The Bible says that in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace have you been saved through, what? Faith. I think I put those in the notes. We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him has eternal life, which is to say has faith in him. How about Hebrews 11.6, which says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can I please God without faith? Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to do so. Faith is essential. And so on a daily basis, we exercise our faith and if you're like me, in certain days or certain seasons of life, and I know this applies, by the way, to people in this room, in certain seasons of life, our faith is challenged or it is tempted and maybe even swayed or maybe even a little bit knocked down at times. But we know that all us who are in Christ, though we might get knocked to the side, he brings us right back where we need to be, right? And so all of us, the strongest spiritual person in this room, has times where our faith may struggle in some way. But we know that true faith in Christ will last, right? Helps us persevere. So why am I talking about faith? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, five times, at least five times there I counted, Paul says the phrase, your faith, which is what I entitled the sermon, your faith. And so as we read it in a minute, we're going to kind of 
emphasize those uses of, his, of your faith and see how he speaks to their faith. Before I do that, I do want to define faith, and the Bible defines it for us in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Someone said faith is trusting in something that you cannot explicitly see or prove, right? We have faith in that thing. We can also distinguish faith in two ways. I'll do it like this. Saving faith is trusting in Christ alone for salvation, which we do when Christ gives us a new heart. We hear the gospel. The Lord regenerates us. He causes us to be born again, and we put our faith in him for salvation. But we also talk about sanctifying faith. This is us as believers continuing in faith, believing God in what he says, and doing our best to obey God in what he says. And so when I say faith, we can think about faith in this kind of overall scope, trusting Christ for salvation, but also trusting him in everyday life as we walk through it. Do you agree with this statement? We should believe what the Bible says and obey it. Do you agree with that? Yes. We do it by faith. How about this statement? We are to believe in the promises of God and live accordingly. How do we do that? By faith. We are to agree with the truth of God's word and allow God's word to transform us. How do we do that? By faith in Christ and his word. Well, I gave you a little faith refresher, I hope. Let's look at the text. As I read it, see if you can find the phrases about their faith and see if you can kind of glean what he is telling them in a way to encourage their faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness 
before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. A couple things stood out to me as my my first reading of this. In verse 1 and verse 5, he says, I could no longer forbear, or I couldn't bear it any longer. I couldn't bear it any longer. He is so concerned, Paul is, with the faith of the believers in Thessalonica that he had to leave behind. He's so concerned with their faith, he has to check in. He wants to know what's going on. And he says, twice, in in verse 1 and verse 5, I could bear it no longer, and I can't come right now, I can't be there right now, but I'm going to send one of my top guys, Timothy, and he calls him a a co-laborer in the ministry, a co-laborer with with God, a minister of God, and I'm going to send him to come and help you. I like to think of it this way. Paul went there to evangelize, and now Timothy's going there to disciple. Paul went to evangelize. Timothy's going to encourage them in their faith. They have a need, and their need is that their faith Because they're being persecuted and afflicted, their need is that their faith would remain strong even when it's tough. That they might continue believing the word that Paul preached, trusting God, and obeying that word. So, I think just like these believers needed encouragement in their faith, all of us need that this morning as well, in some way or another. So let me give you five reasons your faith needs to be strengthened. Five reasons from this text that you're straight faith needs to be strengthened. Number one, our faith needs to be strengthened because suffering may tempt you to abandon your faith. Or it may in some way cause you to not be as faithful as you want to be to the Lord. It may tempt you to even abandon it. It has. There's scriptural evidence of people that claim to have faith, right? And then as soon as it gets hard, they turn away from God. There's evidence in, in, even in current day as well and throughout church history. Look back at chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. We mentioned this briefly last week, but Paul said about, about this church, you are my, my joy, my glory. Remember he said, he's, he's showing how much he cares for this church. He loves them this much. He he's desires for them to know God and know him more. And so he just continues, right? We know these chapter and verses were added later, right? He just continues, you're our glory, you're our joy. And when I could no longer stand it, I had to send Timothy to come strengthen your faith. And again, we've said in the first two chapters, they're experiencing affliction and persecution. It's a difficult time they're going through. It kind of reminds me of how many of us do this. Do you ever walk up to somebody and say, how are you doing? But you really just ask it out of habit. I think we probably all do that. Maybe you get to work in the morning or whatever. Even at church sometimes, how are you doing? There's a difference in that and actually really caring, isn't there? We should, we should probably try to be more specific. You know, how are you doing at work? How's, your, how's the baby doing, right? How, is, um, how are you feeling? Like, be more specific in that question because I'm, I'm tempted to just ask it because it's habit, right? And, and Paul is sending Timothy to see how they're doing, but not in some casual way he really sincerely cares about this church who he calls his glory and his joy how are you doing and it reminds me by the way of have you ever had a bad day and all of a sudden one person can say the right thing and it cheers up your day or you get the right phone call or the right text or the right message and it can encourage your whole day paul sent timothy to be this encouragement to these believers look at verse three Verse 2, he says, he came to establish you, comfort you in your faith, 
Verse 3, that no one, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. That word moved means to be cast aside or to be, be drawn away off of a path, to be moved aside. And I believe this is the only uses of it in the New Testament, to be shaken or, again, knocked off a path. And Paul says, I've sent Timothy that your faith might be comforted and encouraged and strengthened to the point where no matter what comes your way, you're, you will not be knocked off your path. And I think it goes even deeper than that. I think it goes even deeper than that in the sense of Paul knows that as they suffer, their faith will be strengthened and their knowing God will be greater. In other words, going through hard times for Christians should bring us closer to Christ, shouldn't it? Now, if you're a professor of Christ but not really know Christ, the hard times will probably knock you away or drive you off the path. But as believers, those difficult times should cause us to run to the Lord, to his word, to his church, not away. In Philippians 3, I mentioned this last week, Paul said, I want to share in the sufferings of Christ, not just the joy of Christ, but even the sufferings of Christ. And none of us want to suffer, I get that. None of us want to go through physical pain or mental issues or spiritual issues or relational issues or whatever, but we understand that God has a purpose in every single suffering we experience. We just have to remind ourselves of that. One of my favorite stories is of the missionary John Patton. I think I shared this maybe Wednesday night or to somebody. Patton's on this island serving the Lord, and he begins to be chased by these uh, locals. And here's what he said. I climbed up into a tree and was left there hours alone. The hours I spent there, and these people are chasing him, by the way. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but yesterday. I heard the yells of the savages, yet I sat there among the branches, safe in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly to my soul than when the moonlight flickered among those chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus, alone yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree to fill again my Savior's presence and to enjoy his fellowship. Sometimes there's no greater joy or no greater fellowship with Christ than when we get a bad report from a doctor or have an issue in our lives that causes us to struggle. We have to be willing to see our afflictions through a godly lens, a godly perspective. Romans 8.28 perspective, right? He works all things together for our good and his glory. Paul wants these believers to be strengthened, verses 2 and 3, in such a way that they will not be moved by their afflictions, but that they will know Christ more. He doesn't want them to be weakened. He wants them to be strengthened. Jesus talked about this. Jesus talked about being uh, built on a strong foundation, not on shifting sand, right, that's easily moved. And Jesus says, and, and Paul writes and says, don't be tempted, church, Stay strong in your faith. And I'm going to send Timothy to help you. So many believers in the Bible, I made a list here, went through these types of temptations. But the heroes of our faith, though they sometimes messed up, right, they never lost their faith, right? They stayed faithful to Christ. 
What about us? What tempts us, verse 3, to move off, to move? What tempts us to move? What kind of afflictions do we go through? Whether it's a sin, specific sin, bitterness, worry, negative thoughts. What is it that tempts us to be knocked off our path? And how can we give that to the Lord and say, Lord, take this thing and strengthen my faith? We are, I'll say I, I would be foolish to say my faith is always strong because I will be honest that there are times my faith, not in Christ, right, not in salvation, right, but as far as a daily trusting God for things, there are times when that faith can maybe waver when you worry too much or complain too much. But realizing that our faith can be fragile should cause us to say, when I'm weak, I look to the one who is strong. Number two. The second thing is, he, he says your faith is encouraging to other believers. You need to be strengthened in your faith because your faith will encourage others. Now, I get this from 6 through 10. He says in verse 5, I had to send... I, had to, I couldn't bear it any longer. I had to send Timothy to come and, and see how you're doing, that our labor would not be in vain. And then Timothy came and uh, brought good news of how things were going. And he says in verse 6, we desire to see you. But look at verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we, Paul and his co-ministers, we were comforted, comforted over you in all our affliction. You know, Paul was in Athens at this time, and that was not an easy place to live either. He was going through his struggles as well. And he says, when I heard back about how your faith was doing, I was encouraged. He is showing this idea of iron sharpening iron, as we say, or this idea of believers and true fellowship. Fellowship, by the way, is not just when we eat on Sundays, which we all enjoy, but fellowship is sharing life and discussions about life with fellow believers through Christ. So Paul says his faith is encouraged by theirs. Can you think of somebody in your life, even in our church, who have gone, has gone through pain and been faithful through that? And in that way, they encourage other believers. We named, we named some names in Sunday school class. Some people in this room, we mentioned uh, Kimmy. Uh, we mentioned other people um, has gone through things in our church who have remained faithful through their, their struggles. When we remain faithful in suffering, other believers are encouraged. Most of us can remain faithful when things are going great, right? But when we remain Christ-focused, Bible-focused, church-focused, when things are not 100% great in our lives, that's when we can truly encourage others. Does anybody know the name Horatio Spafford? Horatio Spafford wrote a song, we sang it here last Sunday. I've heard the story years ago, and I looked it back up this week. Spafford was a, he lived in the 1800s, he was a successful lawyer and investor, I think. He was, just, he was a wealthy man. And in the Chicago fire of 1871, Spafford lost a lot of his fortune. And not long after he lost a lot of his fortune, his four-year-old son died of, of some kind of sickness. And so going through all that tragedy, losing for a lot of his fortune and, and losing his child, he decided to send his wife, Anna, and their four daughters across to England 
to go on a little vacation. He sent them across the sea and he was going to, the ocean, he was going to come later after he took care of some business. And of course, if you've heard the story, you know what happened. It was a, a shipwreck, basically, and the ship goes down and all four of his daughters die in the, in the, in the water. Well, the, his wife Anna makes it over. She sends back a, a letter or uh, something like that, and her letter said this, Saved alone, what shall I do? After getting this terrible news, he eventually gets on a boat and goes across. And on his way across, the captain of the ship knew what had happened, as the story goes. And as they passed by the area about where they thought that shipwreck happened, he told Horatio Spafford, this is that area. As he thought about the tragedy of losing his, his four daughters, he wrote this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's a song, that's a perspective that encourages me. Every time I sing it or hear that story, that's encouraging, right? How about Job? Is Job an encouraging story for believers? Job said stuff like, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Then what do you add to that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said this in chapter 13. He said, though, I mean, to the Lord, he says, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Who can say that and mean it except a, a person of faith? Job inspires our faith, which is why it's good to read his story and, and read all through the scriptures of people who go through terrible things and yet have faith in God. And so, church, be encouraged in your faith, not just for yourself, but that we might encourage others in their faith. And by the way, we get that opportunity every time we come here together, Wednesday, Sunday, to be an encouragement to each other. Number three, God is, we need to be faith in our Faith needs to be strengthened that God is be glorified by our faith because God is glorified by it. Chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? What thanks? He's, he again says in chapter 3, we're going to give glory to God for your faith. We saw that over in chapter 1, verse 2, when he said, we give thanks to God always for you. So we see Paul making sure to remind the people, so thankful for your faithfulness, so thankful for your service to God, but we know, right, that God is the one who deserves the credit, the fame, the glory. It's God. God gets it. And thinking about this and how Paul emphasized this through his writings, it's, to me, such a contrast to our world today where people seem to always want credit, right, or the glory. It's a me, me, me world we live in, where I want the credit, I want the glory. Look at me, look at us, we have it all figured out. I'm the most spiritual, I'm the smartest, I'm the most wealthy, I'm the most popular, things like that. People may not say it, but they're thinking it. That's the kind of world we live in. And in a world where people are me, me, me mentality, I want to remind us as a church that the faith that the scripture talks about does not point other people to how great our faith is. It points other people to the object of our faith, which is Christ. That's the kind of faith we need. 
that when other people see it, like when Paul saw the Thessalonians' faith, they say, God gets the thanks, God gets the glory, God gets the praise. And so whenever you go through something and you are victorious, you can say, to God be the glory. God did it. Not me, not my, yeah, not my amazing faith. Right, Sean? It's not, it's not your amazing faith that brought you to Christ. It is Christ giving you grace and faith, and then you trust in him, right? God did it. God saved you, right? Make sure in all our religious things, all that we do in our Christianity, we want to make sure God gets the glory. Our fourth reason that our faith needs to be strengthened is that our faith is not complete. Look at verse 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Again, he wants to come see them. And might perfect or complete that which is lacking in your faith. Now, when I say that your faith is not complete, I'm not saying, right, that you have to do something to add to your salvation, right? We know once you're saved, you're, once you're truly saved, you're saved. But, but this verse, and there's, this is not the only verse that makes statements like this, that kind of reminds us there are some people that have a pseudo-faith, a fake faith. A, they claim faith, but don't truly have it. That's the faith that's without works, right? Which is what, according to James, dead. Faith without works is dead. This is the faith that professes to know Christ, but when things get hard, uh, they fall away. But I believe according to Scripture, like here in 1 Thessalonians and other places, true faith grows and is sanctified and one day will be made complete. Paul wants to help these people in whatever way their faith might be lacking to, to have that full, full. It's like they have a half cup of water, right? They have the water, they have the faith, but it's not full. And Paul says, I want to come and help fill up your cup spiritually. I love his heart for those people. And so how do we help make sure our faith is complete and not lacking? Well, we know it begins with our relationship with the, with the word, with the Lord through his word, through prayer. It, it, it's helped by our, our fellowship with the church. And so I encourage you, as often as you can, Talk with your fellow believers about life and about the word. And if you need somebody to talk to about prayer requests, things like that, that our faith would not be lacking. This morning we're discussing this, you know, and I know we've had, a lot of us have had this discussion. Do you worry about something every single day? Anybody? Most of us do. Do you complain about something every single day? A lot of us do, even if it's something small like the weather or something. And some of those things might be small, but I wonder in my own life, when I catch myself in like a prolonged state of worry or a prolonged state of doubt or complaint, is that a sign that I'm not trusting God as I ought to? Because I'm, I'm, am I doubting his providence? Am I doubting his plan in my life by worrying about this certain thing? And I found 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, which says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. To the church at Corinth, Paul said, your faith is not complete, but all the stuff you're going through that's trying to knock you off the path, all this stuff is a light, momentary affliction compared to eternity. And that's, I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer, but we believe that. We believe, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, that though we go through the worst things in this life, God has sovereignly ordained those things for a purpose. And that's the truth we hold to. It could be the greatest loss you've ever experienced. And if we hold firm to what we preach and what we say, we would say, I praise God anyway. He has a purpose for that. We would have that Job mentality. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We would have that Job mentality. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul wants these believers, and we want each other as a church, to, to have faith that's not lacking. That as best we can, we don't worry, we don't complain too much. And when we do, we realize, I need to, instead of, as the scripture says, don't worry, but what? Pray. Don't be anxious about things, but pray. As the scripture says, the Lord takes care of the sparrows, will he not take care of us? As the scripture says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? He'll add all these things unto you. You see, if our, if our worrying and our doubting and our complaining is going to decrease, it's only going to happen as our faith and trust in God increases. Number five, our faith needs to be strengthened to prove true and result in eternal life. I don't know who said this quote. It was a preacher at some point, but it kind of applies here, that quote that says, if it's real, it will last. If it's not, it will pass. That applies here, right? True, real faith lasts, and just professing faith, not having it, will not last. And so in 11 through 13, he gives this kind of challenge or prayer or benediction. He says, now, verse 11, Now God himself and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. He's, he speaks here in verse 12, and I won't go into it a lot, but just as your faith grows, that should result in loving other people. Verse 13, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. As we know him more and express our faith more, that should cause us to be more like Christ, sanctified and growing in holiness. To prove true. Let me give you a couple of verses. Romans 12, 12. As we try to have faith that is true and results in eternal life through Christ, Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So what I'm trying to say to us this morning is if you are a Christian and you are currently going through something and struggles or, or you will soon, remember this, that God is sending those things our way not to tempt us to be knocked off the path, but to prove our faith true in him and to make us know Christ more and to cause us to be better examples to our church and even people outside the church who might see that, that way we're handling struggles and say, wow, they have something I don't have. How can they go through this and be faithful to their God? They must have something I, I need to think about. And then he says in verse 13, for the third time in these first three chapters, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. For the third time here, he mentions the second coming of Christ. And he does this to encourage them, right? The, the, the affliction you're going through, the persecution you're going through, it's not going to last forever. A light momentary affliction compared to eternity. Like my friend who, when years ago we rented this house, there was just four of us at that time, we rented this really tiny house, and we had to just be there for a while until we got a new house, and I hated it, I was complaining all the time, it's too small, yada yada. My friend came over, he was sick of me complaining, he said, hey, it's only temporary. <laughs> Easy for you to say, you know, you're not living here. It's just temporary. And he kept saying that, it's just temporary. I hated him saying that. Six months later, we ended up moving into the nicest house we ever lived in, or probably will ever live in. <laughs> but he was right, it was temporary. But in reality, right, it's all temporary. The good and the bad. And so he mentions here, church, Christ will return with his saints. He will establish his eternal kingdom. Obviously he will judge. All those who don't have faith in Christ will be cast away forever. All those who do have faith in Christ will live with him forevermore as he establishes his eternal kingdom. And he gives them this as an encouragement. Stay strong in your faith. Keep your faith in Christ. Because the only way you will experience this second coming uh, in the right way is because you have faith in Christ, right? If we don't trust him, we will not be on the right side of that second coming, will we? We must trust him. So how is your faith? Do you see in this text, these, I think at least five times he mentions your faith. And he sent Timothy to encourage them. And so I'm trying to encourage us this morning. How is our faith? As best we can, and answer these questions to yourself. As best you can, are you believing and obeying God's word? Not perfectly because we've all fall short. But as best you can, day by day, are you believing and obeying God's word? As best you can, are you attempting to have a steady diet of Bible, prayer, and church? As best you can, when struggles come your way, do you see that as an opportunity to be faithful? Are you faithfully suffering through affliction that you might know Christ more, like John Patton up in the tree saying, this is the closest I've been to Christ because he's going through a, a struggle. My prayer is that God would give us faith to be strong when we are weak. God, when I, when I feel weak, 
And I pray this for you, all you guys as well. When, you're, when, you, when you feel weak, spiritually or in any other way, God, give me faith to be strong. My prayer is that when we feel lost in some way, he would give us wisdom. And that when we feel shaken, he would give us faith to trust him more, as we sang about this morning. Be strengthened in the Lord for three reasons here at the end. For his glory. Not for our glory to say, I'm, I'm the most faithful person in the church. That's not what we're looking for. I'm the most faithful person in my house. That's not what we're looking for. I'm going to be faithful for his glory. The second one, be strengthened in the Lord for his church. Isn't that what we want, by the way? A church full of people faithful to God? That's a pretty good thing. That would be a pretty good church slogan. We're, as best we can, we want to be a church full of people faithful to God. Finally, it's also for your own good to have your faith strengthened. Would you pray for a moment? And If you feel like this morning your faith has been shaken by something, I don't know what it could be, a sin, a relationship, a sickness, it could be all types of things. If you feel like your faith has been shaken, maybe right now pray and say, God, strengthen my faith. Remind me of, God, who you are and how powerful you are in my life. Remind me of how you're there and you lead and guide us. So would you just take a moment to pray about your faith?